to start off today's episode, I wanted to have a quick follow-up with Chrissy from the last episode. The one, the only, the spooky lady. She recently stayed at... Was it the Gold Gold Hill Hill Hotel? Yep. Gold Hill Hotel on her wedding night of all nights. She had her husband and her two boy doggies Mm -hmm. with her. Yep. And Chrissy, we just have to know, was it spooky? So initially, I was actually very disappointed because there were no spooky instances. And so we stayed in the miner's cabin, um, which is supposedly haunted. So I was looking forward for something to happen. Um, One thing is it was like almost 3.30 in the morning. I remember because um, the sound woke me up and I looked at my phone because I was like, it is way too early for this shit to be happening. (laughs) Because my initial reaction was just from like the sound of it, I thought it was ATVers. And I was like, what the heck? Like, what are you doing at 3.30 in the morning? Like ATVing, you know, behind this hotel. Um, Because it did sound like it was like, behind the uh, little shack that we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, my logical brain just immediately went to that. I initially thought that our boys were going to freak out because if it's like dead silent and then there's a super loud noise, they usually like start barking and going crazy. Not a peep from them. Roberto didn't wake up. Like apparently I was the only one that heard this and was woken up by it. So I was telling my family about it the next day because they all asked me if anything spooky had happened. And one of my sisters was like, it wasn't ETVers. It was probably like a ghost pushing like a mining cart behind you, which totally makes sense because right behind the cabin that we were in was like a little hill. And then on top of that hill were the old tracks for the mining carts. So I think the spooky is trying to reach out to me. But there's like this logicalness in my brain that's not allowing it to happen. And I'm so incredibly sad. But yeah, so I'm going to go with it was mining carts. And I was upset because I thought it was ATVers. And now I want to go back. (laughs) Well, the good news is it's only Virginia City. It's not that far away. You can always go back. True. But I'm glad something spooky happened to you. Me too. The night of your wedding. Me too. (laughs) Even if I didn't realize it till later. Yeah. This is Allie. I'm your Wonderlust host, and we're chatting about a couple huge passions of mine, volunteering and also traveling. I have with me today Imani. Hello. We say Imani sometimes, (laughs) but it's Imani. Um, She volunteers and travels at the same time, combines both of those amazing things. So Imani, how's it going? It's going very good. Thank you for having me. Very excited. Yes, it should be fun. It should be very fun. So specifically what we're kind of talking today are your trips to Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times have you been now to specifically do like the volunteering part portion of it as well? Um, it has been three times so far. Next February will be four. Wow. Yeah. And February is coming up so soon. I know. <laughs> so it's already November. Yeah. It's going to just fly by. I know. Yeah. Um, did you, before you started like with the group that you go with, Um, which we will talk about, Mm -hmm. did you ever think to, like, volunteer while traveling? Like, was that ever something that you ever thought you would want to do? Honestly, at the time, so that was probably... At the time, no, it never really dawned on me until the opportunity came up because I didn't really have any plans to do any kind of big traveling anytime soon. Mm -hmm. It just happened to work out perfectly. And from there, once I experienced it, I was like, okay, no, this, this needs to be like a thing permanently for the future. I think it's great because they're like, when you volunteer, at least when I volunteer, I always feel so good Mm -hmm. about the work that I'm doing. Yeah. And it makes me feel better about myself too. And, uh, I think that it's just awesome that you combine that with traveling. Mm-hmm. Like, that is such a cool opportunity, too. Yeah, absolutely. It really changed my perspective on how to travel once I saw the, like, impact that tourists make on some communities, both good and bad. 
I really wanted to be more conscious about what I was bringing to that country to be Mm. as respectful as possible and what to take away from that country. So then I wasn't leaving anything either worse or poor from when, you know, I first saw it or like I like I never want to create a negative impact anywhere I go and travel volunteering while traveling really helped solidify that no when I'm leaving here I'm leaving it better than how it was originally so yeah that's that, amazing. That, that was a really big realization that I had that's amazing so I think a lot of people don't really take any of that in consideration mm-hmm. when they travel they just yeah they just go you know mm-hmm. Um, but you have a trip, a new trip, because you always do Guatemala. Yes. But you have a new trip to Thailand coming up. Yes, I'm very excited. Um, I ended up winning a $500 voucher through We Are Bamboo. And um, basically, I can use that voucher to any of their tours that they had available. And a really big bucket list and dream of mine was to volunteer at an elephant sanctuary. And they have a two countries tour. So for Thailand, it's, um, you know, volunteering at the elephant sanctuary, staying there. But then they do have some, like, more guided tours and, like, touristy things that you can do to really just experience the culture. And then after that week, we'll then go to Cambodia and teach English. So that was really exciting. And uh, that was kind of just the universe being like, hey, this is your chance I'm literally throwing this in your face. Go do it. (laughs) So it it was just one of those situations where it was a no-brainer. Like, I'll figure out the money later, but I need to book this now. Yeah. And then we'll we'll go from there. I love that. I feel like too many people are like, no, no, we can't afford this. We Mm -hmm. can't afford that. Yeah. But, and and I get it if you're not that into Mm -hmm. traveling, but if you... If it's part of who you are and like seeing different cultures and making a difference, giving back to the community, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, it's just such a no brainer. Like if you have the ability and opportunity to go, Mm -hmm. you go. Absolutely. And what I like about it too, and it's definitely changed my perspective on volunteering even here at home and abroad is that I don't want to give people a handout. Where it's like, and and that was something that really opened my eyes and something that, especially the Guatemala trips have taught me, is that you can give somebody, you know, food and medicine, but if you're not providing the education on how to use that, then it doesn't really go anywhere and you're still kind of in that same cycle of, yeah, they're always going to need help, but we should try to build towards a future where they are empowered to, you know, change their lives and that's definitely what the Guatemala trip brings and as well as what I really like about Bamboo and their philosophy is that they're like, no, we are directly working with these villages, these communities to like the, I believe the elephants are all rescued as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like with us coming down there, we help, you know, kind of facilitate that manpower to be able to take care of them. Mm -hmm. But the money that we put into the trip also goes towards those communities. So it does make a huge difference. And it kind of just provides that education on they're helping us see like, you know, these are animals, this is the care that they require and the hard work that they put in. And same with like teaching English, like that goes a long way because English is like the number one, like, spoken language around the world and even in Guatemala that's what I see is like people are really aspiring to learn English because you can go so much further in life if you're bilingual and you know um even when we were in Guatemala we we did like a donation area and some people donate books the first things that go are, are are books and um because they want their their kids and their grandkids to start seeing these words and start to try to pick it up so it's just little things like that where I'm like, I don't want to do a handout yeah. where it's not really making a huge impact. I, I really want to be able to be like, no, I'm leaving here knowing that I'm actually improving and helping somebody's future rather than just being like, yay, thumbs up, A+. plus, I did my good deed. Now I'm going to go. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, I'm going to go back to my, you know, like first world country. Right, and- exactly. It's just, it's so different. I think it's really cool, though, that it's something that you're constantly thinking about. Mm -hmm. Like, even leading up to the trip for Guatemala, you're like, okay, how much can I raise more money to be able to bring more supplies Mm -hmm. and 
things like that, which is amazing. Yeah, because we've definitely approved in our donations every year. Like this year, I've kind of just picked up on the little things that I see when groups come to pick up our donations. So like this year, I'm going to have a printout with the donations, which is usually like to your essentials, like your toothbrush, toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner, soap, lotion. Lotion's a really big one in sunscreen. So and it's like, okay, I'm going to provide them a printout of all of these things so then they know exactly what everything is. There's no confusion because um, I know I don't speak very good Spanish. I speak enough to get by. Right. But just being able to be like, no, everything you need is here. We even have a, um, I forget what her job title is, but she specifically specializes in um, diabetes and just diabetes awareness. So every time, you know, we would do like any kind of blood sugar um, tests, she would then pull the, those families aside and explain to them, this is why you are not feeling well. And these are why you have these symptoms. Mm -hmm. Here are some things that you can do. And it really does make a huge difference because um, diabetes is a very big, big one that we see when we go down there for the, for the medical clinics. And, um, because it's like corn is very high in sugar and their main diet is corn, beans, rice. And um, even just like, I mean, same here. Junk food is way cheaper than healthy food. Yeah. It's so it's like anything that you can get your hands on. That's kind of what it is. So Yeah. Are you nervous about that uh, 30 plus hour flight time to Thailand? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess if you're going to Chiang Mai, where where are you going? Northern or Southern? Um, It's going to be Chiang Mai. Let okay. me pull that up here real quick. Because it is Chiang Mai. We have a family friend that actually lives in Chiang Mai. Mm -hmm. And I keep saying, I need to just go see him because going to Thailand is also like mm -hmm. a huge bucket list item for me. Um, But he's a family friend mainly of my parents. So okay. I don't know him personally. Yeah. But my parents know him very well. Yeah. And so... I really want, like, my mom to go, but mm -hmm. she's like, I don't think I can fly 30 hours. That's way too long. And, like, yeah, there's layovers. That's just the mm -hmm. travel time, but still, you yeah. know, like, oh, I know. And that's definitely one of the things where I'm nervous about. We'll move on to our segment. That's my favorite segment on the show. <laughs> It's Wandering Sips. It's the Sips. Wandering Sips that talk. Wandering. Sipping while you're wandering. Wandering Sips. <laughs> yeah. So I have, I feel like the last two episodes, I have let myself and all of you listeners down because I have not done a very good job of finding the right drinks. So last episode sucked in that perspective because like I couldn't find any of the ingredients to make pecan punch and then I messed up on brewing companies and which ones were local um and this time it's actually kind of not my fault because I didn't procrastinate I like looked into it but the national drink of Guatemala is basically gallo like the beer is that how you say yeah, it yeah it's That's, gallo okay. it's it's a chicken Ugh. yeah it's um, not good. I have had the pleasure of trying it, and I wouldn't recommend. But even though that is, like, their national drink, I really, really, really enjoy. It's called uh, Lemonada con Gas, which is basically just lemonade with gas. And it's just carbonated lemonade. Um, for whatever reason. Well, basically, I always feel like they're using, like, real real sugar <laughs> with their stuff and I just basically replace water with that drink just because <laughs> and it always comes in like those big like fishbowl glasses oh my god so then I have way too much it's just so good mm. and the closest that I could find to it here in the states is the lemon San Pellegrinos that was like the the closest yeah and so I tried a We'll uh we'll pretend like we're drinking San Pellegrinos then. <laughs> we're actually drinking Trulies. <laughs> but uh let's um, you know, pop these open. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Boop. Oh, these are good. I do like Trulies. They're they're good. Um so the locations that we'll kind of be going to is Chiang Mai, Bangkok, uh, Siem Reap, and Angkor Wat. 
Um, so Chiang Mai and Bangkok are definitely in Thailand, and Siem Reap and Angor, Angkor Wat is in Cambodia. Nice. And they definitely listed out the like the full itinerary of everything that would kind of be happening, but like we get to see the temples, we get to go to the night markets, we get to kind of experience that. I'm hoping that when we go, there's they have what's called like a like a full moon festival. Basically, the best way I can describe it is like almost like a beach rave, but it's more focused around like the full moon and celebrating like, you know, the upcoming phase, like, you know, that complete phase. And it just looks like so much fun. It definitely doesn't come off as like, you know, the Western raves that we're so used to where it's kind of everybody's kind of dressed provocatively it's way more about just a celebration of the people that you're with having a great time. Of course, there's absolutely alcohol there, but it just, I don't know, it just gives off such a different vibe there than it does with, like, Coachella or, mm, Coachella. or like, um, Electric Daisy, you know, things like yeah. that. So That's going to be amazing. Yeah, and it's, like, on a beach at night under the full moon. Like, it just, oh and everybody's wearing, like, neon face paint and everybody everybody just looks like they're having such a wonderful time like being with their friends and hanging out so that's fingers crossed that's awesome and it's gonna be hot and humid so i'm hoping (laughs) that we'll be by the beach but are you going with anyone or is it just you this will be my first solo trip by myself which i'm very excited for i feel like for me just to grow my confidence I really need to experience traveling by myself mm-hmm. um it is scary being a female being a young female and traveling to another country by yourself but um my parents definitely had hesitations on it but um I'll, I'll actually be with a group of people it's an organized group it's not like it's just me by myself right you didn't book a ticket and now you're jumping on the plane right so it's like I definitely thought about it I thought it was a good baby step to be like okay because I do eventually want to just kind of free roam and find different opportunities off the beaten path Mm -hmm. where that will happen I don't know but definitely a good step yeah I I mean I think it's going to be really good and I think that like it's also important to travel alone to experience it Mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, for everyone, too, like, not just females, mm-hmm. but, like, for yeah. for everyone to experience traveling by themselves. And you don't always find someone that you vibe with traveling. Yeah. Like, I feel very lucky in the fact that Kyle, um, the hubby, is so, like, down to do anything that I really want to do. Yeah. Like, when we go to Venice in March, there's this, this like traditional paper mask painting class that you can do i want to do it yeah it's like 64 bucks a person but i freaking want to do that yes and he's like i don't know if i really want to do that but if it's important to you we'll do it Mm -hmm. you know which is also just like a good relationship but it's kind of nice to know that like if you're going to travel with someone you can like Yes. You know, you find someone that you travel well with. Absolutely. And that's hard to do. Like, you don't always find someone. Like, I have a friend who, whose husband doesn't really like to travel the same way. Mm-hmm. And um, they always are kind of conflicting and butting heads on, like, things they yeah. want to do. And it seems like one of them is always compromising. Mm-hmm. And so none of the stuff they do is ever, like, 100% what the other person wants yeah. to do. Which sucks. Yeah, which sucks. So I think it's really important to, yeah. like, build that, like, confidence mm-hmm. to do it by yourself and to go and, like... Yeah. You know, just get her done. And also, if you're safe and you're careful, it's fine to travel as a female. Absolutely. You just have to be aware of your surroundings, educate yourself on the culture. That's a big thing that I try to do is that I need to be respectful of the culture and not stick out like a sore thumb. Mm Because as Americans, we're a little loud. We dress a certain way. We act a certain way. I mean, there are things that I'm never going to be able to mask, but, like, when I do travel outside of the country, I don't wear an American baseball cap. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I do my best to try to learn the language as much as possible beforehand. Right. I mean, I naturally don't blend in with any other country, so it kind of just <laughs> is what it is, and I'm always going to stick out, but I don't want to ever come across as that American where... 
people are annoyed by my presence, you know, the, uh, it's an unwelcoming environment, because I'm like, I want to hang out with everybody. I want to make new connections and meet new people. Right. I never want somebody to feel like they're disrespectful of, like, my culture. They didn't take the time to learn these things, or, you know, just, just little things where I'm like, nope, here I am. Just yeah. Ready to chill. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think it's, it's easily possible for people to do that. It's a personal pet peeve of mine when people are disrespectful towards a culture in the sense of not learning the language or at least learning enough to be Mm -hmm. able to say, hi, how are you? I don't speak your language. Do you speak fine? I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. And that's definitely something I'm like, hey, please work with me. And a lot of people are usually good about that. Like in Guatemala, everybody is so kind Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh no, it's fine. And they'll either point at things for me or they'll even try to respond in English because they know I'm not familiar with Spanish. And that definitely goes a a long way. Yeah. I mean, like when we were in Costa Rica, like Kyle speaks a decent amount of Spanish. Um, He took it in high school and in college. Mm -hmm. And so he'll disagree with everything I'm about to say, but he's pretty good at talk, like speaking in Spanish and like getting to the point. Yeah. Or yeah, he can't have like full blown adult conversations, Mm -hmm. but you know, can he order food? Yes. Can he like talk to someone to get directions? Yes. Like all of the like really important basic stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I think it's just so important to at least try. Yeah. But when we were in Costa, like, everyone was so friendly. And yeah. even if you didn't really speak Spanish or they knew you were struggling, they would try to speak English. Yeah. Even if they didn't really speak English, mm-hmm. you know? Or they would, like, point or you'd point. Yeah. And, you know, like, you just make it work. Um, but Guatemala seems pretty cool um, because I I also saw, I was excited by, about this, um, they... I guess one of their, like, drinks that they drink a lot of liquor is guado, which hmm. is actually from Costa Rica. Oh. And so I was super pumped because I'm like, <laughs> I've had guado. <laughs> I have not had that. <laughs> um, I guess it's something they make in their drinks. Maybe they make guado sours. That's the national Costa Rican drink. Hmm. And they're close-ish, you know. I will have to explore that option in February. <laughs> yeah. It seems like rum is also another popular option there. Yes. Rum and tequila. Yeah, I saw a lot of, like, get this really good rum, mm-hmm. drink it on the rocks, and I was yeah. like, ooh, we're not going to do that. Yeah. The um, the town that we stay in is um, Antigua. That's, like, where the us, like, the group that we're within, the medical students that we partner with mm-hmm. stay, and it's a pretty big touristy town, and um, there is an old speakeasy in the town called uh, Cafe Nose. And Anthony Bourdain has actually gone and done an episode there. And um, it's really, really cool. Uh, Their prohibition was definitely more recent than ours. I believe it was either in the, anywhere between the 50s and the 70s. Somebody definitely fact check me on that. Basically, I believe it used to be somebody's house. And there's a refrigerator door in the wall and it's the original door, and basically you open the refrigerator door, and inside is the bar itself. It's a super dark, it's definitely something that hipsters would be very attracted to, <laughs> but basically the way that you'd be able to gain, quote, gain your entry is that you have to take a, a shot of tequila, and it's not like a little baby shot, it's like a double shot. Oh, God. And it's very, like, good quality tequila, where... Even it didn't burn for me. Everybody else is like, "Oh no!" Like you can. It's more like a sipping one, and I, I just did it. That's my girl. <laughs> but you know, it's just something like that where it's like that's really cool. Hey guys, it's editing Allie jumping in here with that quick fact check. Looking at Guatemala's history, I don't actually see any information about alcohol prohibition in the seventies or sixties or fifties. It doesn't look like they went through one, but that doesn't mean that those smaller cities and towns didn't have sanctions put on them in regards to alcohol use. And it does look like whereas Guatemala is fairly relaxed when it comes to the sale of alcohol, they can be strict sometimes. I also found out that they do actually prohibit alcohol sales during election. So that was very interesting and that could also be another reason for it. That is so cool. Yeah. I wish that we had places like that mm-hmm. 
in the U.S. I think, I think okay. it's more on the East Coast. Uh, yeah, like, I think we do. I also was reading something about some sort of bar in Reno. Really? In Reno that has some sort of speakeasy entrance hmm. that you don't know about unless you know about it. And so, like, if the, it was, if I think it was in the RGJ or something, like the Ooh. local newspaper. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I was really pumped, and I wanted to go check it out, and then I completely forgot. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But that's super cool, and it's so, like, that's my favorite part about traveling is, like, the architecture, the history. Oh, yeah. You know, like, the culture and everything like that, and that's such a cool way to, like, experience it. Yeah. And there's a lot of really beautiful, um, like, culture and, act, like, just architecture in general. There is a picture that we, like, usually will take. Um, it's this, it's kind of like a, I don't know if it's necessarily a clock tower, but it's called the Arco de Santa Catalina. And it used to um, connect from one of the convents to a school, I believe. Oh. And um, this is actually what it looks like. Oh, yes, and it's you've right, shown me this. And it's so right cool. next to our hotel, and that's just one of my favorite things that we see because there's a volcano right in the background. It's always a beautiful picture, and there's just, like, uh, there's other convents that we actually are. It's a very nice hotel now, actually, and we have, our like, our very nice dinner as a group there. And so you get to see the convents. You get to see where, you know, some of the um, just where people were buried at and um just seeing all the churches now and seeing still how beautiful they are and how very well detailed they are mm -hmm. it's not something that you see here in the states because it almost looks ancient it's all it almost looks medieval and a lot of the architecture does date back to like several hundred years ago and they're That's still so cool. standing and it's just it's something that I personally had never experienced before. Like, I've never seen something so grand and so beautiful. Right. And to just to be able to say I took a picture of that was just very rewarding in itself. Yeah, it seems like the, what, what I really like about Guatemala from the research that I've done is it does seem to really, like, they seem to really cherish their history mm -hmm. and, you know, the things that they've built before, yeah. whereas, like, I don't know. This is my personal findings with Mexico. It mm -hmm. was just yeah, nothing really that was that old. Yeah. And it was all just, I don't know. A lot of things have, like, been built over them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're just very proud of where they came from and who they are. They're just some of the most hardworking and strong people that I've ever encountered. Like, they're not... Even when things are extremely difficult... They're thankful for the family that they have. They're right. thankful for the, the very minimal things that they have, which is so different from a, a, like a Western kind of first world perspective right. where if something inconveniences us, it really bothers us. And it kind of just hinders our day where they're like, no, this is just what it is for now. We'll get through it later. Right. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting because I was looking up just, like, some fun facts about Guatemala and their currency, and I feel like I'm going to say this wrong, um, is uh, called Quetzal. Yeah, Quetzal. Quetzal. And it's named after the national bird, and apparently back in the day, the feather of that bird was used as currency. So it's just mm -hmm. really cool that they've, like, I don't know, kind of continued mm -hmm. that. And it's a very beautiful bird. A I fun like fact it. about that bird is that you will never find them in any kind of captivity or zoos because they will die. Aww. They do not do well in captivity. They are a very free bird. And um, I think it was either our first year or our second year, we actually got to see some of them flying. And they are truly, really beautiful. They're, they're like green like, on their back, like, basically their whole body is green, and I believe, like, their stomach torso area is red, and they have these really beautiful, like, long tail feathers. They're just, they're That's really amazing. cool. My yeah. little birdies. <laughs> Not blue jays, but those seem cool. Um, and also, like, so a couple years ago, I think it was, like, maybe your first trip mm -hmm. that you took, you brought back a bunch of chocolate bars. Yes. And I didn't know at the time, but Guatemala invented the chocolate bar. Yes. So... Mm -hmm. It was a, um, it 
originally came from the Mayans, because that is kind of like Mexico has the Aztecs, Guatemala has the Mayans. And that is something that they also, it's kind of divided in certain parts of the country where the best equivalent that I can find is how Native Americans in America have been treated in the past. Kind of the same thing with the Mayans. Um, but the the cacao, so basically the chocolate, it was kind of considered, I forget the exact phrasing, but it's basically a, like a food of the gods, basically. that That's how in high regard it was. Um, and I think one cacao bean is equal to like a ton of caffeine so you can eat two and be set for the day that's how big it is and so um part of our trip towards the end going to um lake atiplan is going to a i don't know if a chocolatier is the word but basically their mom and pop shop and they will give you they'll show you how they actually make the chocolate bars it's literally just the cacao and i believe they mix like orange juice in it to help preserve the chocolate and to help it form into the bar itself interesting and they mix other flavors into it oh it's so good they were really good we brought them back <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> they actually this last trip they have chocolate shampoo now Ooh. i think that might be my next one i buy just Ooh. because i'm curious to see what it does <laughs> you'll have to let me know what you think because that sounds very interesting and yeah. also what you want to eat your hair after you wash it right oh. i was like because i i opened the bottle and i was like this smells real good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean i could imagine just you know how sometimes you put on like a smell mm-hmm. that's kind of like an edible sort of smell yep. And then you're just sitting there the whole day and you're like, I want to eat myself. Yep. <laughs> That's basically what I was thinking. I was like, this might make me hungry a lot. You'd have to have like chocolate bars ready and available mm-hmm. the entire time you yeah. you used it. <laughs> oh, man. But what led you to Guatemala? Like there's other third world countries that you could have volunteered at. Why was Guatemala like? one of the first places you started volunteering and traveling? So it ended up being a situation where, um, so my mom is the practice manager for a pain manager doctor here in town. And um, it just so happened that, um, so he went to Kansas City University and the doctor, uh, Dr. Desai, who is a wonderful, wonderful person, um, he was like, hey, I, and this is something that Dr. Desai has been doing for several years I think it's like over 15 years that he's been taking his medical students on like part of like their clinicals to um he does Guatemala and I think he does Africa as well and um something that he does every year and he extended the opportunity to um Dr. Zollinger who is the doctor here in Reno and he's like we would love to have you and maybe some people from your practice come along and, you know, help us because I feel like that would really be beneficial for our students to be able to learn from you as well as the other doctors and nurse practitioners that you have. And even, like, if they wanted to bring their family members, that'd be awesome. And when my mom was like, do you want to go? I was like, oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Like... How how do you how do you pass that up to why would you pass that up? Because like the really the only countries I've ever been to is Mexico for a cruise. I think Canada when I was really young and that's it. And I was like, this is my chance as an adult to be able to see another country. And then um and then the nice thing about the trip on top of that is Dr. Zollinger, he um he is a practicing LDS member. And his friend, who he did his mission with, moved him and his entire family down there and opened up Cultiva International, which is their nonprofit. And he's like, hey, you guys are only maybe four hours away. Do you want to possibly, you know, cut part of your week up and come, you know, help us out and volunteer? And after that, it was just... It was set. We all fell in love with it because that's also, I think, the first time my mom has also been out of the country, like, as an adult for herself, too. Mm-hmm. And that was something that her and I um, really bonded over. So that's that's just become our thing where we're like, Guatemala, February, this is it. And after that, like, there was really no question. It's 
once we come back to Reno after the trip, we plan for, for next year's. And so that was really how it got started. And I definitely have the doctors to thank for opening my eyes and being kind enough to offer me that opportunity to really expand my travel palette, if yes, you will. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Is So Cultiva does, like, so when you go down, what's your, like, typical day look like when you're volunteering? Um, so with the medical mission or Cultiva? Um, let's do both. Okay, so I will do the first part of the trip, which is the medical. Um, basically, so what we do, we will go to very rural parts of Guatemala. So it'll usually be maybe an hour up to two hours outside of Antigua, where we're kind of stationed at our hotel. Mm-hmm. And we will set up shop in either schools, churches, community centers, anywhere that has enough space for us to kind of set up, quote, stations. So there will be, like, um, kind of like a primary care or it kind of de- also depends on which doctors are able to come as well and what equipment they can bring. Um, so a lot of the, there's, like, a triage and... Um, we did have, I believe, some physical therapists come down as well. Because when we're going to those areas, the main group of people that we see are families who work out in the fields, very labor intensive, constantly outside. Mm-hmm. So it's either, you know, dealing with diabetes, any kind of like blurry vision, sun issues. Um, joint pain and that's what really kind of led them to inviting the Reno group with them is that their pain management they have the equipment they have the tools to be able to do the injections really be able to help people feel so much better and improve their their quality of living right and then um and so it kind of just goes into that station there's like a pediatric as well since we do see a ton of kids as well And then for me and what I do, since I don't have any medical background or any kind of medical training, I will do our donation station and our eyeglass. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Eyeglass station, which is is basically just donated reading glasses, trying to help people find the strength, which is really hard to communicate from like a standpoint I I definitely made printouts for myself last year so I could explain these are only meant for reading up close like if you need something for far away you need to go see an actual doctor and we would write down the address for the the big main city which is hard because a lot of the families that come see us are very poverty stricken so going to the doctor's office is not always an option but um we definitely try to get coloring books, candy, um, your main essentials, like your toothbrush, toothpaste, you know, keeping yourself clean and kind of explaining like, hey, this is what you need to do. This is the amount. And um, even clothes, we'll try to bring as much clothes as possible. And that's kind of like their their final checkout point. But um, so that's kind of like our typical day. Like people will go and there's a lot of pregnancy tests that happen as well as diabetes checks. Mm-hmm. Since um, since a lot of these towns are very small, that we kind of, I don't want to say common practice, but basically it's um, like the woman stays home and has kids and it takes care of the household while the husband, you know, goes out in the fields and works. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, and they're very young. There was... Um, there's a woman younger than I was, and I'm 23. She easily Oof. had five kids. Oh my god! And they were all very young, and that's hard. And they're Ooh. and they're very small. <laughs> so small as in they're short, and it mostly has to do with the malnutrition. Um, it's stuff. I I don't know if it's top five, but it is one of the top most malnutrition mal malnourished countries in in the world. Right. So a lot of them are. And I'm 5'2", and I feel tall sometimes. <laughs> wow. And that's both with men and women. Wow. And, you know, kids are very small, where I thought, you know, a child was easily, like, maybe five, maybe three. They were actually, like, six, almost going on seven. Oh, my gosh. Maybe not that dramatic, but it kind of gives you that, like, okay, there, there's definitely a big difference from what you would see like our kids compared to theirs, but 
Um, and then another big thing is like worms in small kids as well, just because there, there's not much you can do in those situations, but they're there because they truly rely on the kindness of the med students and the volunteers who come down there and give them that time. And they are so unbelievably thankful and kind, even though they know I have no idea what they're saying. They're shaking our hands and just, you know, saying thank you over and over again because they took, they can't get that, which always made me feel so bad coming back to the States and being like, I don't want to set up this doctor's appointment with my primary because I don't feel like going. Whereas there's other people who would give anything to be able to take their children to my primary doctor and have them looked at and cared for. So that, that was, so that's basically kind of what our day looks like is just going through. And it's usually last year, this last year, it was pretty short days, but it can either be anywhere from like eight to 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Cause it just kind of just depends on the group of people that are waiting. So we just go through as many people as, as we possibly can. So does the group make multiple trips or is it just the one time in February that they go down? I believe there's multiple groups, but there's also multiple programs that will go each month. And there is like a, like a local that will coordinate and plan it out and, um, kind of, and it's funny, it's kind of like the, the yield and days where you hear like the, like I say, here you, here you, walking down the streets. It's kind of what they do to let people know. And it's kind of like word of mouth uh-huh. of getting, if you're like, this is the day, this is the time you need to be there. If you're not there, we're not waiting for you. Right. And if you're not there, then this is the next, you know, a couple months on when they're going to be there. And um, there's definitely some really awesome things that happen. And then there's some really sad things that happen too. Like there was, um, I believe it was a woman who came down and was saying that I believe it was either her husband that was sick. Well, we ended up finding out that he has cancer and he was too weak to come down to the clinic. So one of our Reno nurse practitioners, like they go down with a couple other people to go like evaluate him, kind of see, and they couldn't afford the medication that he needed. So the nurse practitioner bought it. He bought the medication and was like, no, like if I can do anything, it's this. And so it's just things like that where you're like, I, I, as like, you know, a first world citizen, I have the power to be able to do that. And it, and it made a huge difference, even if it was just to make his final days more comfortable. Yeah. Um, but each day, so probably for three to four days, we'll go to a different village every time, which is really cool because you get to meet so many different people, yeah. which is always awesome. Kids are always my favorite, even though, you know, I just think they're so cute because they're just so shy. And then you give them, like, the coloring books and the crayons and, like, stickers, and they get so excited. Like, I brought kazoos this last time. (laughs) Trying to explain how to use a kazoo without (laughs) knowing Spanish was really hard. But they didn't care. It was just brightly colored, and it was fun, and some kids figured it out, and they taught the other ones, and those are always just so fun. And then... um. After we do, like, our last, like, clinical day, and it's, um, you know, we'll say our goodbyes to the med students because we'll usually have breakfast and dinner with them to kind of, like, get to know them. And um, we do other fun things other than the the clinics on those days. If we have time, we'll, like, go to this awesome bakery down the street that sells the best banana bread this world has ever seen. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's so good. And then we'll do, like, their night markets and... Haggling is definitely interesting, but a lot of fun. And um, we go through like what the, would be a quote of their like farmer's market, basically, which is very interesting. They don't refrigerate any of their meat, so that's an interesting oh. smell. Yes. But then they also have like another like mainstream grocery store, just like maybe a couple blocks down. So it's kind of cool to see like two different cultures in the same country kind of intermingle with one another. Yeah. But those are always really cool. And then um, after we do those clinical days, we'll then um, travel to um, Lake Atitlan, which is just a really beautiful lake. And surrounding the area is um, volcanoes. Oh, cool. Yeah. I know Guatemala is like Mm -hmm. kind of known for their volcanoes. Yes. Which also, sidetrack. Before we start our medical <laughs> mission trips, we actually hike up a active volcano called um, Pacaya, 
and it was really cool because the day before this last year the day before it had erupted a little bit and there was some like lava and people were like taking pictures in front of the lava oh wow it is a very hard hike by the way, that is not for the lighthearted. That is like, you must be experienced and in great shape because it is a steep incline Ugh. the whole time. Oh, man. I don't but, know. I don't know about that. Yeah. And that's like immediately after we land in Guatemala, we get to the hotel, drop our stuff off, and then we travel. See, I feel Guatemala. like after flying for a long time, I need like a couple days of rest <laughs> I know. before I'm ready to do I know. And then almost like, oh. anything, especially strenuous yes. activities. I know. Sorry, I had to I had to bring that up before I went into uh, Cultiva, <laughs> but that's where um, Greg Jensen and Lucy, who are the owners of um, Cultiva, or the founders, um, and their five kids, they all live there. They are all um, they're all just wonderful people. I think they're just so kind, and getting to know them over the years, it has been just such a huge gift. Um, and it was so funny when we went there. So basically what they do is the basic way I can put it, and it's not just building garden boxes for these families. Mm-hmm. They took it to a completely other level where they are empowering the Mayan women in these rural, rural parts of like like Antiblan and like San Juan and like kind of these smaller areas around like the lake and even outside of it. And um, so basically they're required to do about 10 hours of education. So it's educating them about nutrition, what they're growing, and what is being put into their bodies and what it can do for their families in the long run and how to maintain them. Once they, they complete those 10 hours, we then come in and we assist them in building their garden boxes. We do not do it for them because the biggest thing that they want to have um, – the Mayan women take away from this is that they're empowered to make a difference for themselves and their families. They are ending that constant cycle of not being able to afford good food and having to take kids away from school to support their families and just, just bring a sense of hope for a better future. So basically we just help haul in the supplies, which is like, we'll help, so I don't know if everything's kind of already preset, but kind of like the grid is already pre-made. So we're basically helping them drill and nail in the box to keep it together, keeping that tarp underneath for preventing weeds from growing, um, building like the the fencing around the garden box to keep any kind of pests and animals out. And then um, we just basically help them plant everything and then... That's it. It's definitely not something kind of what circles back to where if we just give it to them, they it's for us, it's kind of common sense like, oh, we're we're growing vegetables. We're cooking these. We know how to cook them. That's not how it is there. They and Greg does a gives a really, really beautiful story about how it truly changed his perspective on because they're from Utah. And so he's like, for us, it's common sense. But to really take the time to just show that patience and education is the true way to change lives makes a huge difference. Because for us, it's always quick, 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 fast paced, need immediate answer, need immediate result. And that's not always the answer. That technology and immediate answers don't are not always the solution. Right. So, um, that's where he, Greg truly changed my outlook on how I see life is that it's not a quick fix. If you truly want your life to change, you need to sit down, take the time, educate yourself and don't immediately take control of the situation. Allow others to feel empowered to build those things for themselves. And it goes a really long way. And, um, it's just so awesome being able to be a part of that. And then we have like our fun, like touristy stuff, but the touristy stuff that he brings us to, it's supporting the actual small businesses around the, the island, not the island, but the lake. Like, um, there's like a textile place where they show us how they create like, um, like yarn and like the beautiful scarves and just like, um, 
like blouses and skirts that they make, which is part of the like the women's traditional wear. It's a lot of hard work, but luckily with this uh, like business that they have, there's no middleman. It's I think it's like like a very large percentage goes to them and then I think 20% goes to like the just the maintaining of the shop mm-hmm. but there's no like okay now you need to pay fees to this this and this it's like it's actually empowering people to or are the women to actually use their craft and their skills to help support their families yeah that's amazing I think that you know what what it sounds like that's really cool is it You'll have to stay with me on this thought here. Yeah. <laughs> so there are so many different volunteer opportunities around the globe. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wonder if with all of those, like, volunteer opportunities, mm-hmm. if they kind of, like, foster dependency. Yeah. You know? And, um, and, and then, like, people come to depend on, like, this aid that you're providing. Yeah. Rather than being independent, you know, and it also compromises the dignity of the people too. Absolutely. You know, and so I think that it's really, really cool to be able to go and volunteer with a group that is promoting independence and Mm -hmm. is kind of like trying to empower by education and things like that rather than just being like, we're doing all the work for you. Yeah. Here you go. Exactly. Make it work. Mm -hmm. You don't know how, but here you go. And then the hard thing for us is that we don't realize that's what we're doing. Exactly. It's just like, no, this is awesome. They're getting the things that they need. Like, this is great. I I feel good. But then you don't really think about it after mm-hmm. that. It's just like, nope, I did my good thing. That's it. But like, um, and I was really lucky enough to be able to do a sit down interview with Greg. And he asked like my takeaway points. I was like, you made me take home a lot to think about. Like, you, you shattered my world here. Because <laughs> I thought, you know, the little things that we do around town, I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm doing, like, you know, the food bank, and I'm doing all these little things. But I was like, oh, but that's not really helping. That's kind of just right? enabling, almost. I, yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too, and I feel almost bad saying it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what? what great good is going to the food bank and feeding people who aren't feeding yeah. themselves yeah. and, and who aren't hard. trying to feed themselves. Yeah. And it's hard too, because there's always so many different stories and different perspectives on oh, yeah. what's happening. Oh yeah. But I just, and I don't know if it's maybe a cultural boundary that prevents people from, or prevents us from kind of exploring that option. Like, and I, and I told Greg, I was like, you guys are our trailblazers and our living proof that patience and education is the right way to make a change. I was like, because there are a lot of handouts, there are a lot of things. I was like, without you guys, nobody would believe it. Yeah, exactly. I think it is just incredible, though, that you've had that opportunity to be able to go and to do that. And it's also exciting and fun to hear that, you know, it's not all just about the volunteering, but Mm -hmm. you also get to experience the culture and the country and really like kind of be a tourist. Yes. And I mean like Guatemala is if I remember right like some of their biggest businesses are basically coffee and tourism. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're promoting that as well, yes. which isn't bad. Yeah. And I um, love supporting local artists. Yeah. There's a there's a family of painters that we see at like Auntie Bun who I have always bought a painting from them. I <laughs> I will give you pictures to post to like your podcast description or something just because like it's the wife the husband and their son and I think they've expanded oh my goodness they're just it's just so beautiful mm-hmm, the talent the colors the talent the detail like those things make me feel so good about taking it home and being like I supported a small business yeah that truly needed it and there's like a um like a leather shop as well I truly do not feel guilty about buying like I bought a bag from there because they told us they're like no for us we use every part of the animal to feed and support our family I know with like high with like high fashion it's a really big thing where people have an issue with it but I'm like I don't have an issue buying a very nice quality bag from a family who truly needs that money and has a really wonderful talent like I feel like there's a difference between Prada 
And then a mom and pop shop where nothing is wasted, everything is sold, or everything is eaten. Yeah. So it's like... Well, and I think that also something that's important to keep in mind is how different countries and different cultures treat the animals that are used. So, you know, here in America, it's all about consumption and just... Yeah. Yeah. It's not... (laughs) I mean, it's not that humane. It's not that great. I don't care what anyone says. Mm -hmm. That is why I'm vegetarian. Yeah. And try to not wear leather, buy leather, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, But it's awesome when you can find a place like that. Yeah. Sorry, bubbles. (laughs) Um... (laughs) See, as soon as I start talking, um, it's awesome when you can find a place like that where, you know, like, not only do they use every part of the animal, but, like, further than that, it also is a small business in a third world country, you know, and it's just, like, I always try to shop small business Mm -hmm. here at home, Mm -hmm. but small business out of the touristy area of another country is amazing to buy from yes because you know that it actually like helps them mm-hmm. rather than just being like oh yeah this looks like a small business but we actually have three locations yeah no yeah that's definitely not what it you is. know yeah so that's amazing i did some research on um some different like volunteer like sites that you could go through and apply for and everything like that and one that i found that was um apparently super big it's called international volunteer hq and it sounds like it's affordable. Um, it's fairly well known. And what's cool about it is you basically, you go, you you can select your destination from like a drop down. There's a ton of them. Um, specifically, you can go to Guatemala for two weeks and it's $535. Yep. Really? That covers everything but the money that you want to spend there for like souvenirs yeah. and stuff like that. Which is surprisingly not that much. Yeah. Um, airfare. Yeah. Um, lunches. It covers everything else. It covers your housing, covers breakfast, dinner. That's dope. And there's ones for Thailand. There's ones for Africa. Like, mm-hmm. they, like you think of a country and it, it seemed to yeah. be on that list. I mean, it's been forever staring at mm-hmm. it. But it's cool that that's an opportunity for people. Like, yeah. if you want to start getting involved in things mm-hmm. like that, you know, like, finding these opportunities, finding, like, a, yeah. an organization that, um, like, will kind of host it mm-hmm. and give you sort of, like, an itinerary, like, bamboo. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, I think that's really cool. But I also think it's really important to make sure that whatever work you're doing is also something that's actually helping people, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than just that mainstream, oh, I'm 18 and I want to go volunteer. Exactly. And that's something that I really wanted to steer clear from. And that's negative feedback that I've gotten to. I've heard people say, why are you posting pictures of yourself with, you know, the, the locals? Like, you know, it should just be about you volunteering. And I was like, Because I find true joy in showing people that it can be fun. You know, I'm having a great time with the locals, and I always ask permission. It's not something that I'm making people uncomfortable. And if people decline to take pictures with me, I absolutely don't cross that boundary. Yeah. Like, you don't make anyone do anything. But I was like, I want to share my joys and passions with people because I want to inspire other people to maybe not necessarily travel, but to pursue their passions and... um, that's something that I've just, I take the feedback for, for what it is, but at the end of the day, for part of, a very small part of my ancestry to be from Guatemala, it was really important for me to share that with others because with being biracial, I don't really have a place or a culture that I feel truly connected with because I have a ton of different ones that I'm blended <laughs> with. So I'm like, I'm not just one person. So that's why, and even though I don't have any kind of like Thai or like Cambodian like ancestry in me, my biggest bucket list goal is to volunteer in the programs or like volunteer in the countries and programs where ethnically my ancestry is from. So ne- not 2020, but 2021, it's going to be Africa because that's, that's more than half of me basically. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, no, I want to show my family and my friends like, Hey, look, this is where part of us comes from. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I th- try to think of it as like, if our ancestors were looking down on me, they'd be so happy. Cause there would never be that kind of opportunity like a hundred years ago Yeah, for well, first of all, I would be illegal a hundred years ago, but it's like, it's true. 
you know, but to even think about that, like, a hundred years ago, or even, like, my grandparents on my dad, you know, my dad's parents, like, were, they wouldn't have been able to do that, like, you know, during the 50s or, you know, the 60s, but that, that wouldn't have been an opportunity, even, like, for my aunt, who flies Blackhawks, like, people have had a big issue with that, so it's, like, I need all my ancestors to see me and see that I'm a trailblazer <laughs> and that I want to spread joy and I want to be able to leave anywhere that I touch somewhat better, even if it's just with one person. Right. And that to me means way more yeah. than any kind of knickknack that I could buy at, you know, a tourist attraction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of your pictures that I've seen have always been really inspiring. So yeah, I think that the people <laughs> who probably see them and have negative feedback about them probably are either jealous because people mm-hmm. just tend to be. Yeah. Or they probably feel bad about themselves mm-hmm. for not getting out there and actually doing something. Absolutely. And there is some, there's definitely a negative stigmatism. I, I've heard it with different kind of sayings of like white tourism or, you know, where Definitely white people will go to Africa and, like, take pictures, and but they're not really doing anything. They're just kind of doing it to show and brag. But for me, I was like, that's not what it's about. I was like, I am totally going to brag up and down about how these kids made my entire day because they were so excited about the coloring books and the books that we were able to bring. And, you know, like, just, just silly things like that. Like, yeah, just making, like, a true difference. Right? And then it's just, like, I, I want to be able to share that, but I also know people aren't always always comfortable with that, where they don't have the opportunity to do that. They're jealous, or they see that negative stigmatism towards Western culture volunteering in their world countries. But I'm like, whatever. If I stay silent about it, I'm not, I'm not helping. Yeah, definitely. No, I completely agree. But that pretty much brings things to about a close. It's been a bit of a heavier podcast episode, (laughs) I'd say for sure. Um, I feel like normally we're laughing, but I think that this is such an important topic Mm -hmm. to talk about and to, like, bring light. Absolutely. You know, because not enough people realize that, like, you can travel, but you can Mm -hmm. also give back while you're doing it. And it's like, and if people always worry about, like, well, I can't afford it right now, find the programs that have a payment program. Yeah, or $535 for two weeks. Yeah. Like, there's always going to be some way, even if you can't spend three, six months backpacking anywhere, like, a week, and that's all that I have in Guatemala, that's enough. Yeah, you get a lot done. You touch Mm -hmm. a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And it's like, and if you really, truly want to travel, and it's something that I continuously struggle with, is saving money. But, like, right now, every time I go out grocery shopping or shopping, I take $10 out. Like, when they ask, like, oh, do you want cash back? I'm like, yes, $10. I put it to the side. It's out of my bank account. It's out of my face. But it's physically out. And over time, that ends up being a lot of money. Yeah. So it's like, even if you don't have all the money, like cash, to put towards a trip, you have money to put towards a trip. And that's easily the first two to three payments that you have taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then you can worry about saving up for the next two to three months. Right. Or even if you, you know, maybe like the $10 is all you can really put aside every mm-hmm. now and then. Eventually, you're going to have enough to go. Absolutely. It might not be every year, you know. Yeah. It might not be every two mm-hmm. years. But like if you can take like a big trip every three years. Yeah. You that's know? enough. Yeah. You can absolutely do it. And volunteering isn't just all about like putting in hard work. Yeah. No. You get to do the touristy things. You mm-hmm. you get to play tourist, but I feel like the volunteering aspect is usually enough yeah. in a trip to f- make you feel satisfied and happy and happy with yourself, too. Yeah. So, Agreed. Yeah. So you can always share the pictures with me. Yes. I, don't I will. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. So, Imani, before we get off here, is there anything that you want to plug? Any personal pages? Maybe Cultiva? Absolutely. I will definitely love to plug Cultiva. Um, Right now, they're doing their 100 box challenge. So, they're trying to raise $20,000 to help get several families off the waiting list to be able to get their garden boxes. They've done the training. They're so excited. They're waiting Mm -hmm. to get their boxes. So, um, if you're even able to donate, because... 
The typical price, and this doesn't have to be anything that anybody has to donate exactly, so the garden box setup is about $100. Okay. That is the supplies that are needed, or basically that we'll pay for. Um, but even if it's just like, hey, I'm so sorry, all I can donate is 10 That's $10 towards $100, so it's it makes crazy. a difference. Yeah, it's crazy how those like $1 bills, mm-hmm. $2 bills. Yeah. And um, if anybody knows about Amazon Smile, Cultiva International is on there. So if you do like Amazon.com slash Cultiva, I believe, um, anytime you make a purchase towards anything that you have to do, you don't have to do anything. They uh, Amazon immediately puts a donation that goes towards that um, that organization. It's not something that you have to consciously think about. It's something that Amazon does for you. Um, I'll be doing some personal fundraisers for donations to Guatemala for, for the medical clinics as well as Cultiva. Um, those will probably come out later in November. Um, definitely can do any kind of shipping across the country. So don't feel like you, if you only have to be local to buy it, um, there'll be tumblers and totes this year. Last year we did apparel, so they'll be really cool. We have an artist, um, through Custom Inc. who, oh, she's amazing. She did such beautiful artwork for us last year. So we're really excited to see what she does for us this year. And, um, so, if anything, I'll ask, be asking Allie to share those yes. and um, just kind of going from there. And if you see the pretty pictures of Guatemala, those are mine. <laughs> so, just yes. keep an eye out for those. <laughs> I will absolutely be plugging the fundraisers as they come. So, stay tuned for those. Check the Insta, um, Facebook, all that good stuff. Yes. And um, I will also include the Cultiva link yes. in the description. It also gives a description about their, their mission and what they do. So if anybody really wanted to take a deep dive, they do it very And they also have a Facebook page and Instagram. So you're more than welcome to follow them on there, too. <laughs> It'll all be in the link. Well, thank you so much for being on, Imani. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, too. It has been enlightening. Listeners, I hope you have also enjoyed learning more about volunteering while traveling in Guatemala. And I can't wait for you to come back from Thailand and come on and talk about all of that. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Oh, I already have, I have a Pinterest board. Oh, I bet you do. All all the things that's like, okay, how to pack, what to expect, do this, do that. Because they're very, they're very conservative in how to dress. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of been my big, like, okay, how am I going to do this? Because I mainly wear leggings, but if you wear leggings, you should wear, like, a long, a long shirt. long shirt, yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I am very short, and I will look like a tree stump <laughs> if I do that. So it's it'll, it'll be interesting, but I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to hear about it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for your continued support and love. If you have absolutely gained enlightenment from this episode and you loved hearing about the different ways that you can make an impact in the world, please share this podcast with your friends. Word of mouth is so important and it helps so much. You can listen on wanderwearlost.com, Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. <laughs>